I wonder if you remember your first really big fireworks show. I remember mine. It was July 4th. I was in elementary school, and we were visiting my grandparents in Indiana. Granddad decided that we needed to experience a proper fireworks display. And I don't really know what that meant, but clearly for him, that meant picnics, lawn chairs, a live band, and a fireworks display. I don't recall much from that night, but I do remember the excitement, fear, and amazement I felt as the fireworks show began. Even today, as an adult, when I know it's coming, I still feel some of those same feelings. A hush falls over the crowd. The anticipation builds, waiting, listening. The pop, pop, pop of a launcher, and my eyes search the sky. A breath holds in my chest until it appears. Brilliant explosions of color light up the night sky. It seems so close, I could almost touch it with my hands. The crowd goes, ooh, and ah, oh. That was my favorite. Until the next one, that was my favorite. I've come to love the gold, the gold ones with sparkles. They have the little arms that rain down showers of gold. They crackle and hiss as the light travels towards the earth. They remind me of weeping willow trees. Their metallic glow feels majestic as it takes its time, creates a pause in the show as it envelops the sky for what seems like eternity. Those are the ones I look forward to the most. I can be overwhelmed by the beauty and the sense of community at such a display because I'm not the only one, certainly not even the only adult, who's at a loss for words. The experience for the few short minutes it takes for patriotic music to play, gives us a common experience, takes away boundaries and barriers, and allows us to take ourselves a little less seriously. It leaves me feeling completely mesmerized, hopeful that we can come together, that there is something in this world that can stop us for 20 minutes and bring us all back to a sense of shared awe, a communal reverence. But then, of course, we walk back to our cars, and the barriers that had melted away slide right back up. What does it mean for God to take away the barriers? You know, there are many different ways to explain this morning's scripture story. As Dan and I were preparing many weeks ago, it struck us that, as he said, today's story is one where God breaks down barriers and brings the people together. Easier said than done. There may not have been flames of tongues spotted in some time. However, as the youth skit portrayed, they know barriers, and they know what it means when they come down. They struggle with the barriers of money, popularity, pride, ability, which separate, causes real pain, and drives wedges between themselves and their peers. These barriers are as real today as language was in our ancient scriptures. And in those scriptures, the Spirit comes into the room, filled with the disciples, all from the same area. The disciples shared a culture, a language, a religion, and a relationship with Jesus. 
Something like flame rests on each of them and they begin to speak in other languages. What happens next is perhaps even more amazing. People from all over the known world are drawn to the sound and to the event. And they are able to understand what's being said in their own diverse languages. A crowd gathers who were, quote, amazed and astonished. How does this happen? Good question. Scripture records that the words that were being spoken was some sort of preaching about the marvels of God. People who could not have a conversation on the street because of the barrier of language hear preaching in their own tongue from people who probably didn't look like them, weren't dressed like them, and yet they heard God speaking in each other. They felt God's stirring, and they came near. All were amazed and disturbed. They asked each other, what does this mean? What does it mean for God to take away the barriers? What does it mean for us to be willing participants in the Spirit's movement? Youth ministry is a process of barrier-breaking in the Spirit's movement. Months ago, I ran across an article that described youth ministry as an intercultural experience. Similarly to when we meet and build a relationship with someone who is from another part of the world, the article suggested that the best posture to work with young people is to remember to ask questions, be open to God's presence, and work in their lives, and be willing to learn about life through their eyes. Learn about their music. Listen to the questions and concerns that come up. Download their games on our phones, on my phone, and play them. Every generation has its own issues and assumptions, its own music, and growing up today has no shortage of challenges brought on by technological innovations. I'd have to say that that article gave some good advice. For over the past five months, I've heard the spirit whisper, whisper reminders to be quiet, to listen, to meet the youth where they are rather than where I think they should or could be. Since January, eight youth and their families have been engaged in a commissioning process. Before this process, we had done things together, gone bike riding. Some of us had been to Westminster Woods on a mission weekend. Most of us had jumped together at the House of Air. And in January, we started a process together of discovery about the Christian faith. Occasionally, we had homework. Parents met together a few times to talk about their work as parents, and parents had homework too. We visited other churches, met for dinner and learning on Sunday evenings, and went on retreat together last month to Westminster Woods, the Presbyterian Camp and Conference Center in the Redwoods near Occidental. The retreat was a capstone of our time together. And this morning, we have a few volunteers who will share snippets of our adventures we will hear from four youth and our fearless leader, Dan. Listen for the Spirit's movement in their reflections. <laughs> 